0: Hi and welcome back to the Institute of Performance Nutrition's We Do Science podcast. I think this is episode 160. And this is a, this is a really exciting uh, conversation I'm about to have today for, for a number of reasons. The main one being is because quite selfishly, it's an opportunity for me to have a great chat with a good longtime friend of mine, Mohammed Saad. Mahaba, my friend. Mahaba, hi. Hey. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me here. I was just joking off live that you'd think, having worked with a a Muslim football team during the World Cup, um, which involved living with these players for like six months, full on. I should have been a lot better <laughs> at speaking Arabic, and I did. I have tried, but um, anyway, my friend, listen, it's Ramadan, and this is kind of a last minute thing. Um, it's quite a good opportunity. That we're uh, having this conversation now because we're—I think you said earlier—we're about nine days into Ramadan, and I'll, I'll let you uh, describe Ramadan and so on in a minute. But um, uh, our mutual good friend uh, Graham Close has co-authored an article with you uh, and uh, Andy Casper, brilliant article on Ramadan and sports performance for their Nutrition Exchange that they've done. And I thought, you know what, I know Ramadan's already started, but folks are going to really appreciate what you have to share with us today. And maybe I'll have a bit to share. I do know a little bit about Ramadan uh, from my own experiences. And I have done a podcast. I've done several podcasts on, on this topic before. The last one was with Matt Jones, who's um, uh, a British practitioner, but has worked out um, in the UAE and so on, and uh, has had plenty of experience also at the World Cup, like myself. But anyway, welcome. Welcome, my friend. Now, I would just point out that we may have a bit of banter, as we like to say in the UK, because we've known each other a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about yourself. Come on. Uh, first of all, I would like to
1: thank you so much uh, for having me in this renowned global sport nutrition podcast and uh, well, it's it's
0: about to go downhill right at this point <laughs>
1: <laughs> um have known you for a long long period of time and I've been a listener to this podcast for a long time with with uh, with the top level of scientists in the field mm. uh, and now I'm ha- you having me in this podcast This is such an, an honor and uh I hope uh, today we'll have a, a great talk about Ramadan Uh, So um, my name is Mohamed Saad and uh, I work as a sport nutritionist in Bahrain. I had my master's degree in sports and exercise nutrition at Middlesex University in London and uh, I worked uh, for for Bahrain national team, football national team and triathlon national team and now I'm working for Bahrain national mixed martial art team which is ranking number one in the world in MMA for
0: amateur athletes. So yeah. Here we are. I mean, I I am the one that's humbled to be in your presence. <laughs> this is so great. I should uh, I should point out to the listeners that um, we've known each other a long time because you were a student of mine yep. uh, for many years, uh, uh, all the way through our program at the IOPN that you excelled at all those years ago, and you attended all of those lectures and you weren't even living in the UK. It was amazing to see your your. Your motivation and your dedication to learning sport and exercise nutrition, and then really sealing that off by uh, getting onto the uh, MSc in sport and exercise nutrition. Although I should mention that was right at the point that I left leading that program, so uh, I didn't get to see you complete that, but you did, and and congratulations! And I know that you're not you're not you're not stopping there. You're going to continue onwards and upwards with your education because that's the guy that you are. But listen, I, I wanted to have this conversation because yeah, Graham, professor Graham close had ping me over this, this article that um, we'll link in the show notes. I know it's out there uh, because we are in the middle of Ramadan and, and, and this is an interesting topic. Um, it's a really, really big challenge for a lot of people, particularly athletes. Um, But let, let, Let's let's get our head around it. We're going to go through um, what Ramadan is and um, the implications this has for sports performance, but we're going to get practical from practitioner to practitioner. Uh, I'm really excited to get into that, but let, let's just double back a bit and just have you first explain for the 75% of the world that aren't Muslim, uh, who don't necessarily understand what this is all, all about. They've got an idea. Uh, You can bring us up to date and give us the the, the quick overview, please. Sure.
1: Uh, Well, Ramadan, uh, it's it's in Islam, it's called the holy month. Uh, Because in that month particularly, uh, the holy Quran uh, was revealed to Prophet Muhammad and all good deeds are multiplied. So Muslims, they try to do their best in that month to multiply their good deeds and they do good stuff, uh, praying, reading Quran, all these things. And it is considered as the third pillar of the five pillars of Islam. So any Muslim to be a Muslim should have all these pillars done. And Ramadan is one of the, uh, these pillars. It is the ninth month of the Islamic calendar. Uh, which is a, a lunar calendar of 12 months uh, and, and in Ramadan all muslims fast they fasting from uh, uh, dawn to sun, sunset and they are forbidden from eating drinking smoking or having uh, even sexual practices so uh, it's not only uh, about uh, uh, eating and drinking it's also in Ramadan in whole world they have many cultural uh, or or different traditional and cultural practices they do and uh, which makes Ramadan is very unique for all Muslims and and uh, the meals that they are having uh, there is the first meal they start in the sunset which called iftar translation breaking the fast which is breakfast and the last meal happens by the down, it's called suhoor, which was the last meal. And between these meals, as, as I mentioned, they cannot eat, drink, smoke, or have any sexual uh, practices. Uh, and the good thing that I need to mention here, or or maybe in some cases a bad thing, that Ramadan is, is different, as it's in lunar uh, calendar, Islamic calendar, is different in the uh, Gregorian calendar, which is the Calendar we're using, so maybe one year it's in the summer and another year it's in the winter, and it's it different. So, for example, as we mentioned in the article, uh, in the year two thousand, uh, the uh, Ramadan was in the winter, which is now almost the spring. But in Bahrain, here in the Middle East, in the summer, so it's different. And also, Ramadan is 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 very depending on the location of the country. So some countries, for example, Australia, they fast maybe 10 to 11 hours only, but these countries around where Sweden and, and in the, the North, they may even fast up to 20 hours. So it's a very different and, and it's frustrating for athletes. How long should I fast? What is the weather in Ramadan? So all these uh, things are in the mind of every athlete having a lot of questions regarding of uh, Ramadan.
0: That was an awesome overview. And I, I just wanted to throw in my own sort of perspective there, because as I mentioned, you know, in I was involved working with Egypt, a Muslim team, um, or a team composing of Muslims, uh, for the 2018 FIFA World Cup. And um, we spent a long time preparing for that competition. And because of the timing, of uh, Ramadan, our pre-event, uh, 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 sort of the pre-World Cup in Russia, we were uh, all over the world, lots of travel, and I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that because that's an issue as well with different time zones and, you know, the length of the day tends to vary in terms of light and, and so on. But literally for about, uh, well, we had literally the entire period of Ramadan was our entire training camp right up until the first game at the world cup. Mm. And that just blew me away. That experience to the extent that I tried myself to follow Ramadan. And, you know, I, 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 I don't, and I don't allow myself to feel overly guilty about the fact that I wasn't able to stick with it because it was the first time I had a go, but boy, was it challenging. Mm. So, anyway, I just, yeah, I, I, I feel, I feel the challenge from the perspective of its application and its impact, particularly impact because, and, and you'll, you'll be able to help explain this much better than I ever could, but this isn't really simply a case of it's something that's in the calendar. It's, it's, oh, okay. We've got a month of, Ramadan and you you know you, you you can't eat during the day sort of thing the impact is so substantial and because athletes and I say this all the time athletes are human beings not just athletes they're not just football players or MMA fighters or or whatever they're human beings with human needs and you've right. already explained that some of those needs also have to be uh, avoided Perhaps you could help us understand. Uh, you know, those of us that are non-Muslim and uh, don't don't get it. This isn't just, as I said, a calendar event. It is so much more important to that at such a personal level.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, because uh, as you know, uh, Ramadan is 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 a holy month, and it's really important for every single Muslim, every Muslim, that he's an adult or she's an adult, they have to fast. 30 days of the whole month, except there are some exceptions. For example, the elder people who have any illness, they cannot fast, um, they they have exception. Uh, People also, uh, the the women when they get the period, also they will uh, get exception for that time, but they have to, uh, she has to, to, to make it up again later on. She has to fast after Ramadan. Also people who travel, if you're traveling outside your country, you have also the exception of not fasting, but again, you have to fast after Ramadan. So uh, uh, it, it it is a very important pillar in Islam. Every Muslim has to fast. Uh, the problem when it comes to athletes, I always hear this, Muhammad, I'm having an event outside of Bahrain example, outside of the country. The problem with that, all the sports events calendar do not change in most countries according to Ramadan. But here in Bahrain, or there's a couple of countries here we're having, most of the events, they happen after the iftar, when when they are rehydrated, they are refueled, so they can uh, perform better. But when they travel, and we had that a lot, especially with mixed martial arts uh, team, we had a couple of events in Ramadan. So we take the, the exception that we are traveling to not fast. So the athlete, when they travel, they were not fast. For that reason, they can't compete. But again, uh, uh, there's a couple of training sessions that happens in the country. They may have a a very high intensity, so they may struggle. So what do we have to do? These questions are raised by the athletes uh, regarding the Ramadan. So there is one event that happened, which is uh, the Olympic Games 2012, uh, when the row uh, the row athlete Muhammad Subahi he had he has spoken to a Muslim scholar in Morocco that he wants to perform well which is the Olympics if he can get exception and they told him that's all right but you have to donate 60 meals for every single day without fasting so if for example if you're not fast for, for 10 days that 600 meals you have to give as a donation so uh, there is there is very restricted a- this is a very restricted area when it comes to islam because this is something very important every muslim has to do with every year so yeah this is this is the the uh, one of the struggles
0: all athletes have and and you know this is great particularly t- as i said you know th- a huge amount of benefit to this podcast will be for people who who don't know much yeah. about this because you guys live this day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to come back to that because I learned a lot about that when I was working with my Muslim players, uh, being an outsider looking in. But but one thing I also observed was because we had the same thing. You know, the the the, the scholars were consulted about the. You know, look, we're traveling all over the world. Uh, th- this is particularly important for the country. Uh, it's showcasing Muslims. Uh, There's all sorts of things there. But then there were uh, different players that had different, shall we say, interpretations of the Quran, or there are slightly different versions of Islam that people will follow or subscribe to, which further complicated matters. Um, Because although we're dealing with a team um, they all had individual preferences and traits, and it isn't it isn't simple enough to say they're Muslim uh, and they're following Ramadan because actually there's all sorts of complexities and and where where I found this particularly interesting was the fact that, for example, um a scholar may have been consulted and they may say, yes, you know, there is an exception uh, that we can apply to this. But then some of the players would be, okay. That's great. But in private, personally, they would wrestle with the yeah. dilemma and they would wonder well, I'm a famous football player. What if I'm seen during Ramadan, during the day, drinking a sports drink on a football pitch? Millions of people are watching. Am I going to bring shame to myself? Am I going to bring shame to my family? Now, when you start adding in the pressure, the stress, um, that, that really makes life difficult. Now, you will have obviously have been dealing with this a lot with your athletes. Is there anything that you wanted to add to that aspect? Because that is something that really blew me away when I started working in this area. 100%. You have just hit the right spot. Uh, because in Islam,
1: it, there's no one... Uh, uh, I don't know how to call it. Is it a branch of Islam? Or there's different type of of people are following uh, Islam. Like for example, there are Sunni, there are Shias, there is different, different, different. Everyone has this, their own scholars, Muslim scholars, and and they have different beliefs. When it comes to the details, you cannot just tell everyone to do the same. Every athlete have to get back to their own beliefs and their own scholars, he will say, okay, for example, I've told him, uh, you can rinse your mouth with, that's like carbohydrates. He will say, no, I have to check with my scholar. Okay, he checked with his scholar, I cannot tell everyone to do the same, but maybe someone else had a different scholar. So all these struggles, it comes to us who work with athletes, because maybe we have 20, 30 athletes, different athletes. And everyone has a different beliefs. And, and that's the that's the issue. That's the struggle we are having. For that reason, uh, I've spoken to, to uh, our committee here in Bahrain. They are uh, 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 the Olympic committee. And I, I told him, why don't we have such a solid uh, uh, Islamic law when it comes to performance in, in, in Ramadan? For example, if we just Tell all scholars in Bahrain, all right, we're having this type of rinsing, this We're having this type of, uh, of hydration or anything that comes in our mind in the practice. And give us your opinion that we can give to all athletes in different scholars in the country. That way, it, may, like, it will lower a lot of stress. On us when we are working but still it's too early to, to have that I think we need just to start the approaching between the sports ministry of the Olympic committee we have here in Bahrain and uh, these Muslim scholars to come together and talk about them and then they may have a conclusion that will spread out to all athletes we have but the thing is too early to happen
0: now <laughs> oh yeah. man Mohammed you are when it comes to religion politics science i suspect there's gonna be there'll be there'll be when we're both 100 years old should we live that far i suspect that we'll still be having the same challenges but this is this is very interesting again i i reflect on my own experiences during a world cup where we were playing a lot of players a lot of teams that were not muslim Mm. who were not following any of this and there was that perception of the advantage that they would have or there were some other teams that were subscribing to uh what their scholar had said that they could do or not do um and um yeah the the stress and the pressure of that alone is something that i observed and of course you know it is well acknowledged that the psychological well-being of an athlete is or uh, well, the psychological status their their level of anxiety uh is is going to have an impact ultimately on their performance because of course we're talking about uh ramadan and its impact on sports performance and i and i'm going to come back to that because you in this article you guys have or you have written all about this and i want to delve into these different areas but again just because i've got the the insight of having witnessed this first first hand myself there was some please go ahead Sorry, but there. let me flip the coin now. Yeah, go ahead. You know, Bahrain, uh, we
1: have a couple of, like, let's say, two, three maximum non-Muslims athletes who play in a, in a club. So when they have the exercises in the fasting, even these non-Muslim athletes, they feel like, no, I cannot drink water in front of them. You know what? I'll just keep stay fasting. So it's that's even another stress for non-Muslim athletes? And that's how I play? felt
0: that's how i felt and there was a a number of us that were westerners who who felt guilty about drinking water in front of people or (laughs) or you know everyone would be sitting around and we're you know um having conversation because you guys like to talk (laughs) but 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 we'd be sitting there going should i really sit here and eat my lunch in front of everyone you know and so that's why i decided to actually uh about a week in i thought right actually i'm going to commit to to the fasting myself and and i lasted about 10 days and i couldn't hack it anymore but we'll come we'll come back to that um in a minute but i also wanted to come back to um, the point that of course it it is a religious uh event it's a religious practice and um you're not just uh observing ramadan uh by fasting you are also praying at certain times of the day for example and this was something that i also found to be particularly interesting particularly because we were traveling uh all over the world all the time we would have to find places for the players to to pray but also i had to factor that in into the at times depending on how much light there was in any given day uh, uh where we also had to factor in time to travel also time to pray yeah, sure. So just tell us, tell us a bit about that, and and the and 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 how that can can actually interact with feeding opportunities, which which for me was the real difficult thing to deal with. Uh, you mean the, the praying times? Well, yeah. Do you do you feed or do you pray? Because one comes uh, before the other. Yeah. Uh, the, when I said
1: earlier, we have five pillars of Islam. Praying is one of them, uh, and and it's 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 more important than fasting itself. Uh, a Muslim can't call himself a Muslim at least he's praying. For that reason, uh, uh, all Muslims pray five times a day. The prayer will not last. Uh, the prayer will not last more than two or three minutes if he will take a lot of time. With five minutes. Um, so uh, praying, it's always there, even in, in, in fasting state or not fasting, Ramadan or outside Ramadan. The whole year, everyone is fa- uh, praying five times a day. So uh, uh, it's not it's not an issue here because it's just very short time when it comes to praying. And uh, sometimes when it comes here and the event happening in in our countries, if they have a match, they either if the praying is too close to it, either they make it afterwards, or right before uh, the, it will finish just before the praying. So it is a very, very sensitive area when it comes to this. Uh, because as you know, it is one of the most important practices to be Muslims. Yeah. So all athletes we're having, they pray, and we try to make everything around it then.
0: And that's why I go back to what I said earlier about, you know, as a Muslim, you are aware of this because, of course, this is just, part of your your life, which yes. in itself, though, was interesting because some of the players would say to me, look, don't worry too much. We've been doing this all our life. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and it was yes. true. It was true because I was so, it, w- it was such a sh- a shock, if you like, to actually do it myself. You mm. know, th- th- the sheer attempt to practice it was, a, was probably the most mind-blowing experience of, of my life. But of course, that was a one-off for me. Um, whereas it is something that's being done. Um, and you combine that all all your life and you combine that with the strength of your, of your beliefs, which does enable you to get past maybe some of those, 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 you could call them weaknesses, those temptations to snack on a biscuit or a, or a chocolate or certain practices that you referred to. The, the, Mm -hmm. the, The thing though is, is that, that Maybe that's a problem that we have in our society, as in mine, not yours, where, uh, our strength of belief or our conviction, whether it's in following a healthy lifestyle, uh, not necessarily religion is in itself a bit of a problem, which I found highly impressive. Uh, when I was, when I was working with Muslim athletes is, is just how strong that sense of, of belief and religion and conviction was immensely impressive. But we're talking about athletes here. So maybe you could sort of sum up then, uh, you know, before we talk about the actual fasting, various types of fasting that exist and performance and so on. Just, you know, for the uneducated, a quick summary of what this Ramadan practice actually is.
1: Yeah, um when it comes to Ramadan, uh it's 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 important to understand the athlete themselves and uh, what what they are up to. Because there are some athletes, it's, it's, very, it's very, I believe it's very individualized. We have different athletes uh, who can, when it comes to individual training, who can train well even in the fastest state and some other athletes who will feel very weak when it comes to, to uh, uh, their training. But we always, we always, uh, as we mentioned in, in the article, I believe we'll talk about it in detail. Uh, we always suggest if you'll have a high intensity at, uh, training uh, and which is will cost you a lot of uh, uh, energy and and demand of energy, you you do it in afterward of your iftar because you will have you will be hydrated you will have uh, bitter uh, sugar levels that you'll feel bitter uh, feeling in your performance uh, but the problem is the problem that I've, i believe uh, athletes are facing is not only about uh, it's not only about the actual uh, training or 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 the practices they do in Ramadan but because Ramadan the problem with Ramadan is not only the time that we, they have, but also the culture and uh, the uh, social life they live in Ramadan. Different, many different type of foods. They only make it in Ramadan that makes the athlete want to eat a lot. You want to taste it. You want to have fun. So when they come to me in the consultation and tell me, Muhammad, I, I want to enjoy my food. Okay, I can't. I cannot know how much exactly calories you're eating in that such a food because it's been deep fried, a lot of sugars, a lot of fat. Even though the time of of feeding is is short, but in the end of Ramadan, you will be amazed of the fat gain or weight gain they get uh, afterwards. So I believe it's, it's very, very important when it comes to the mindset of the athlete mindset set all of that because I have a different athletes I've seen that they don't care about the culture they don't care about this food that's being done in, in Ramadan I only want to perform well I don't want to uh, impair my performance so they try to follow the right direction when it comes to nutrition exercising hydration and sleep so yeah uh, um, the, the, you will feel very struggled when you see different type of mindset in the athlete that you have to make it very individualized.
0: You made a good point there that we shouldn't pass over. And that is the food itself, you know, so it is with many cultures, we have different foods uh, that we're used to, but also the, you know, certain times of the year or certain uh, religious events, you know, in, in my world, that's things like Christmas, uh Easter, uh, and so on, as it is with Ramadan. Certain foods themselves are also part of that practice because they've been they've been doing that for for centuries and centuries and centuries. Maybe you could just quickly tell us about that. Um, yeah, uh, Ramadan. It's 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 yes, it is a religious
1: event, but again, it has a lot of culture. Uh, when it comes here, especially in the Middle East and Arab countries they always have certain type of foods they do in Ramadan. And they stay all night long awake with their families and friends to keep eating as much as possible until the don't da- uh, time. So the problem with, with the food they, they're preparing in Ramadan, it's, it's always either very high in sugar or very deep fried. So it will have very... Uh, a, a high amount of calories, which I believe Ramadan, I always tell my athletes Ramadan is the best time to lose weight. why or lose your fat because you have a shorter time of, of feeding. make it make it happen. use it, but they want to enjoy the food mm-hmm. uh, So I, I believe it's 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 part of the culture now. It's very hard to change what people do but it comes back to the mindset of the athletes if how we have to, to teach them how to 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 uh, uh make the portion size in the right way control the portion sizes and enjoy the food in the right context without affecting their
0: performance or their body composition yeah and well yeah i mean look we're, we're, we'll get into the nuances of this in a minute um uh, I was just thinking, you know. But again, I I can only speak from my experiences, which was traveling with a an elite football team. But again, the, you know, y- y- you're training hard during the day. There's a lot of travel. There's all this other stuff that's going on, which happens in people's lives, including the need to, you know, um, contact one's family and friends, particularly when you're traveling away. And during COVID, I'm sure this is enhanced yet another level where the need to enjoy one's meal in the presence of other people and friends. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I imagine this is worse now during COVID where social distancing is a thing. Isolation yeah. is is more of a thing. Perhaps the challenges are are greater, uh, particularly for, quote-unquote, normal people. The advantage with athletes usually is, of course, that they are more focused on the benefits the the rewards if you like of being a better performing athlete as an individual or or as a team but just quickly because this is something that you will be dealing with you're gonna have to work with the mindset of your athletes being a practitioner in sport and exercise nutrition isn't just about giving people rules and meal plans and adjusting it for ramadan you've also got to be a human being talking to another human being How, how how much, how much further do you have to take it in terms of getting the buy-in, the, the belief, the trust in your athlete um, that your recommendations uh, are, are, are going to be the right approach as opposed to them following their traditional cultural practices?
1: Well, to be honest, uh, uh, we are struggling in that big time. Most of the athletes, no matter how hard you will try, they want to enjoy it. They always say, it's only one month of the year. We want to enjoy the food. Um, you you put the best protocols to l- try to eat the healthy food as the maximum and, and minimize the, the bad food. They just want to enjoy it as a culture. But again, they always come back and say, I've done that bad. I've done that bad. Uh, how I can make that up? And I believe there is a very, very low number of athletes who will take it very seriously when it comes to Ramadan, because it's always a family gathering, it's always enjoying the food. And um, the mindset is the is the is the struggle that we are having here in, in, in Muslim countries. Many athletes they want just to enjoy it. Uh, and when it comes to Ramadan, all of them they just say, Muhammad. Uh, I just can't do it. I just want to enjoy. We'll get back stronger after Ramadan. But I tell them, Ramadan is a whole month—a whole month of the bad habits. It will time. affect you. Yes. Okay. So um, I think I think it 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 needs it needs a change in the mindset of the athletes. Not only about what we are giving them as approaches of how they eat, portion sizes, nutrition, the meals they they have, but also working on the mindset way before even Ramadan just to prepare them to that month and make it up uh, in the right way uh, because some some athletes they tried for example uh, intermittent fasting and they
0: say you know what I feel hydrated I feel energized well, when it comes to Ramadan it's different scenarios well I'm pleased you said that I mean this actually is the, the I I'm only interrupting because that was going to be my next conversation so let's just yeah. go straight there so so you, you've already teased us by saying this, but but because Ramadan fasting and intermittent fasting or fasting in general has all got the word fasting, uh, people would, uh, I guess, be excused for assuming that they're all kind of the same thing, but they're not, are they? Can you help no. us understand the differences? Yeah. Uh,
1: intermittent fasting, as we know, uh, you restrict the feeding time. For example, 16 hours of fasting, eight hours of of feeding. But in intermittent fasting, you can drink any non-caloric drinks through the whole day. So hydration will be not an issue here. Plus, in Ramadan, uh, because it's, it's a cultural, I believe, aspect or it's, it's, it's a tradition became just in the roots in the Muslim countries, they do not sleep well. They stay up all night long until the dawn, and then they sleep. So sleep, it's again another problem in uh, in Ramadan fasting. Also, in intermittent fasting, you try to make your caloric deficit in these eight hours. But because different food types, people want to enjoy this uh, uh, religious event, they want to enjoy the food, so they have a lot of surplus in their calories that may make them gain weight. Again, also the spiritual, the emotional aspects, and, and there's many different uh, 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 aspects when it comes to Ramadan and intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting, it's very easy if we will compare it to Ramadan. There's a lot of stressful uh, aspect in Ramadan. So for that reason, I believe Muslims Even if they try intermittent fasting the whole year, when it comes to Ramadan, they will feel another thing because it's different hydration, sleep, calorie intake, and even the uh, emotional and spiritual
0: aspects. So, yeah, clearly fasting is just an oversimplification because it's in Ramadan, it's uh, nil by mouth and more than that uh whereas like you say intermittent fasting isn't intermittent sleeping it isn't intermittent drinking of fluids and yes. so on and so forth um so it's yeah it's not appropriate to bag them into the same into the same area now you mentioned sleep again uh, this was again i had to learn this the hard way by experiencing this for myself um uh initially by helping my athletes uh getting uh meals and smoothies and all sorts of things ready in the middle of the night which was brutal by by the end of a month i mean me and the performance chef were just on our knees and he was far he was fasting the whole time and i wasn't so i he's probably the, the man i respect more than anything in the world to do that to look after needy top end football players um but sleep now nobody does well nobody does well when they've got a problem with sleep. But of course, when we get into sort of research about the impact of sleep, you know, we it's become quite topical, particularly in the last few years. Uh, I'm thinking of podcasts I've done with uh, Dr. Shona Halson, for example, and I know Professor Neil Walsh has done another one recently um, about sleep and the impact that that can have on performance. Uh, and we certainly know that it can have implications for uh, nutrition practices, because when you are, uh, in a sleep deficit, you're highly sleep deprived. It does tend to have an impact, um, if nothing else, just on your behaviors and choices and habits when it comes to feeding. Well, when you combine that into this situation, it's not helping is it just let, let's just quickly talk about the sleep issue because you've, you've mentioned it, but I think it's well worth describing what actually is going on with sleep and the consequences of that on the bigger picture of Ramadan performance, particularly from the nutritionist perspective.
1: Yeah. Um, in, in a recent, uh, meta analysis and systematic review uh, about Ramadan and sleep, they have, um, just uh, 245 athletes in 13 different uh, studies. And they've seen that it, there is a reduction in the total time of sleep. Uh, and, and that's what we really see it everywhere, even in the practice. Athletes do not sleep well they stay up all night long until the dawn, where they sleep, and they then they come and say, we have fatigue, we don't focus well, we have stress day. Uh, so I believe sleep is a very, very big area that we must focus on. Because many athletes, they what they say, okay, I'll just try to sleep seven, eight hours in the morning. These seven, eight hours in the morning will not do the same as seven, eight hours at night that you've been sleeping for the whole year when you just come to change it. For that reason, what we we try to uh, tell our athletes is to take sleep naps or, or power naps, sorry. The power naps that they can take through the day if they cannot change their sleep routine in Ramadan. But we encourage all athletes to try to sleep as early as possible and then just wake up right before the last meal, which is suhoor and the down, and then take it and sleep again. That will try to make up their day. But the problem that we're having here, they just want to stay up all night long. And for that reason, we just try to push the power nap uh, uh, practice. So, Mohamed, if
0: if we... You know, if we put aside the, the the area that we both just referred to, which is the, if you like, the sort of physiological impact of sleep deprivation, no doubt it's an issue. But we all need to sleep. We've got to sleep, you know, one way or the other. But again, w- what I was seeing with with the athletes, particularly traveling athletes, is, is a number of issues. Number one, uh, as it comes to deciding when you're going to eat, Deciding when you're going to sleep, not deciding when you're going to pray, because there are certain times you've got to pray. And you can tell us a bit more about that, because it's not its not like it's a specific time uh, that your watch tells you. There are other implications. But also, depending on where you are in the planet, on the planet even, um, the, the amount of light that there is is going to vary considerably. But then you throw in the ultimate wrench into the engine on this, into the mess, um, there are still training needs and demands and particularly in team sports where, uh, you know, the coaches have got their needs. Maybe it's tactical, um, you know, analysis sessions, uh, some pep talks from the coach. Uh, maybe there's some one-on-one rehab sessions, uh there's just the practical thing of well they can't all feed on on the coach the bus or whatever you want to call it or the aeroplane so we've got to we've got to find uh, uh the places that we can do feedings and there are places um they need to be for prayer for prayer and there are specific requirements for prayer as well that just adds into the logistical nightmare that the, the and the reason why I'm mentioning this is because the practitioner who may not be aware of all of this may have a theoretical understanding of of performance, nutrition and Ramadan, fasting and so on. But it is the practical issue here. It's the application of the solutions that need to fit in to the personal needs and preferences of your athlete, but also for the needs of the trainer, the coaches, and like I said, the rehabbers and everyone else is what makes this so, so complicated. So just to bring back to the areas that I wanted you to quickly tell us about was was this issue of the amount of time in the day sorry the amount of light that there is in the day but also the need to pray and the need to sleep and the need to feed and how you're supposed to get all that that right
1: that's a really great question because when it comes to prayer as i mentioned we have five times the first one when at the dawn when when the last meal uh another one we are having midday Roughly, let's say, 12 noon, depending on the country. Another another one afternoon. And uh, uh, the fourth will be just in the evening. And the last one, which is the fifth, will be somehow um, three hours from the fourth one. So it's put it in the whole five uh, uh, prior times. The problem here when it comes to athletes now he wants to enjoy the, the the ramadan he wants to practice exercises he wants to pray he wants to sleep so it's a big dilemma for the athlete if he's not if he's not taking it very seriously if he wants to enjoy it he will miss the practice he will miss the sleep he will miss the right uh, uh, even he will miss the prior times and if he will just focus on the other aspect, he will miss another thing. So the athlete must follow a very strict routine to make all this up together. Either he choose to have fun or either he choose to uh, enhance his performance and his spiritual uh, uh, practices in Ramadan. Because the problem is what we have in here. Many athletes... They sleep sometimes at six a.m., and they sleep and wake up by three p.m. Nine hours. So they almost missed two prayer times, and they've been exposed to a lot of, of of light, and they may wake up feeling very very stressed. The focus is not that well. So there is a big gap here that we have to uh, we have to fill. So I, I believe I believe it that athletes need to take it very seriously because most, most of athletes just want to have everything together. You just can't make everything in Ramadan at the same time. So you have to focus on your performance and your prayer times and fasting. Or if you'll just want to enjoy your time and not sleep, you will miss a couple of things that you are we already talked about. So I think for athletes, it's a bit dilemma, And either they take it very seriously or they... They were Roman part of
0: their day, absolutely. And I think a real take home here from what we're talking about, and certainly a take home from my own observations and experiences of of working with athletes in this situation, is it would be all too easy for us to overcomplicate what is already a very complex day yeah. for them. So that brings us back to, you know, the perspective of of. How can we improve this situation as the performance nutritionist or the researcher? We have lots of researchers listening, going, "Okay, right." I'm understanding there's some challenges here. What we need to do is provide solutions. Let's help the athletes uh, improve the situation for themselves without overcomplicating it. So let let's start to look at, at these from the more performance side of things then ultimately and i know you've sort of hinted on this but what what are actually the effects of ramadan fasting on performance and competition that you're aware of yeah well um, when it comes to performance it depends on the type of, uh, of performance
1: and, and i believe uh, uh, uh there is a, a meta-analysis a systematic review that I have been uh, uh Testing and seeing how performance can be affected in Ramadan. And, and it's reviewed that mean and peak power in both Wingate repeated sprint tests uh, were decreased, uh, uh, especially in the earlier time of the day before Iftar. But the same study uh, showed that strength, jump height, fatigue index, total body work. We're not significantly affected by Ramadan. And, and I think, I believe that there's many factors comes here, depending on the weather, is it summer, is it winter time? The fasting hours, what if I'm living in Australia or I'm living in, in Iceland, there's a big gap. Also, I believe controlling the diet is another, another thing here. So I think there is a big gap we're having we the, in the literature. Even with meta-analysis said they may not affect the, the performance, but there's many different factors. It will be different from different countries. As I mentioned, whether fasting hours, controlling the diet, and, and, and sleep as well. So I think it's very, very complicated here, but we try to help athletes uh, in that scenario. Uh, But when it comes, as I mentioned, to to the studies, there's very limited studies coming. So we are as practitioners, practitioners, would try to put our experience. Yeah. Try to put our experience. It comes to two ways here. As there's limited studies in the Ramadan, so we try to uh, make these intermittent fasting studies somehow applicable to Ramadan and put our own experience and that that can may help the athlete when it comes to their performance for that reason uh what we say to athletes especially when it comes to performance and and, and nutrition and that there is three things we know it's very important in nutrition total timing and and type of food so uh, i think uh, uh, to, to minimize the impairment of performance we have to know the right amount of food, or the total amount of food that we're taking, especially when it comes to carbohydrates and protein. So we just suggested that in that article, uh, we have eight to 10 gram of carbohydrates per day per, uh, for, for the athletes, and spread it through the day. And I think it's much better to be a, a high GI uh, 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 carbohydrates. Why? We need To make it absorbing fast, so he can take another meal, another meal, another meal without falling full for the whole day. And there is one problem that athletes do every single time. When they start the first meal, they either drink a lot of water, which will make them feel full and they cannot eat, they don't have their calorie intake well, or they eat a lot of food at one time that they make them. Uh, cannot uh, feel well and they have GI problems and they cannot practice well if they have any exercising later on. So what we try to make here is to spread the meals, spread the meals in the whole feeding hours. As I mentioned, the carbohydrate eight or 10 grams a day, when it comes to protein, I believe it, there is solid uh, uh, studies here. When it comes to protein, the small athletes, let's say endurance athletes, will not have a big problem. When, when it comes to big athletes, bodybuilders, powerlifters, rugby players, there are more than 100 kilograms and they try to take all that protein in this uh, short period of time, it will be a bit of struggle. So I think it's wise here to make all type of food or I mean, part of this uh, uh, intake as smoothies, drinks, uh, so that they can take all that, what they need of their calorie intake and micros in that uh, time frame. So I think it's it's very important. It's critical to spread the timing of food. Even in protein, we have also uh, solid studies that show uh, uh, if we take like in that scenario, four feeding times, each one 0.4 gram of each kilogram body weight, of protein, That will be also a good a good type of, of approach here. So I think it's it's very important, very important to make sure that we have the total for, uh, macros, and also the timing is critical, and also how we split it through the day. And we should teach and uh, 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 let our athlete know how much they have to eat in each sitting, and how they can take their fluids with the food without feeling full or they have this gi distress because it's very important that they know they have exercising afterwards so they can practice well and perform well so i think this is this is a, a very important area that we we had to mention here
0: yeah I, I it's interesting isn't it because you know we've got the science we've got the evidence a lot of it, like you say, is is lacking when it comes to Ramadan and and performance. Mm. So clearly we need to learn a lot more. So we borrow a lot of that science, a lot of that evidence. And like you say, that's the temptation to take it from things like intermittent fasting and and so on. And that's why uh, I think you're right. I think it's important that that ultimately the practical mindset is important when we talk about things like total type and timing, the, you know, the, the, the total amount of energy that we take in, whether you consume your, your needs, uh, uh, you know, in two feedings or four feedings, it's still something that can be pretty practically, uh, achieved even when you're fasting during daylight hours from sunlight to, uh, uh, to sundown, sorry, sun up to sundown, um, is, is in itself not that complicated. Of oh. course, it's the bad habits, the, the, the choices, the difficulties. And I think what I really like about what you said, which was certainly a challenge I had to find solutions to was the fact that you may have a very limited amount of time or limited opportunities to get those, what would normally be two to three feedings into one feeding session. So the types of foods need to be foods that you can consume reasonably rapidly uh, uh, and which take into account like satiety effects of the food, which is why you're saying don't go for necessarily all the heavy foods, the the, mm-hmm. the foods that take forever to digest because of the the, the bloating, the gas, the wind, the fullness, um, isn't just a uh, an inconvenience that in itself can affect uh, uh, performance, of course, but it definitely can affect things like sleep, yeah, uh, which is already which is already a big challenge. Um, so, you know, and, and depending on the amount of daylight that an individual has and all the other things that we've discussed, uh, you know, to a certain extent, you can plan for that and work around it. The one that, that I know is particularly difficult. You hinted at, and was my biggest challenge was the whole business of hydration Mm -hmm. in hot climates. Now, my players, they were Muslims. They were Egyptians. They were used to the heat all their lives, but, mm-hmm. but we were like, for example, we had a six week camp in Bergamo in Italy. It was hot Italian, hot weather. These, these guys were training their butts off all day, sweating like crazy, but they weren't allowed to drink anything. Obviously now, yeah, you can solve some of that through their feedings and hydration strategies, uh, uh at the various, uh, allowable Points in the day, but how do we deal with that during the day? How do we get around that? Now I know that that in non-Muslim athletes, um, things like uh, mouth rinsing comes to to mind. I know um, I remember a lecture Graham Close gave working with you know big the big units that are the rugby players, and he was in Japan, I think, and he was walking around spraying the backs of their neck with with um, with a water uh, 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 sprayer. Uh, you can, you can, you know, uh, stick, um, blocks of ice on your forehead or whatever. There's things that you can do, but, but from your experience, how do you deal with the hydration issue? Is there a way to prepare for that? Is there a way to, to, to mitigate or minimize the impact of being dehydrated during that time? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Practically speaking.
1: Yes, uh, there is there is a big issue we are facing with athletes and other people who are just practicing uh, for their fitness or, or, or body composition. They do not take enough uh, hydration or enough fluids through the feeding days, or the feeding times. They focus on the food and they forget about hydration. And every time when I ask an athlete, are you hydrated? Did you check your urine uh, color? It's always almost dehydrated. They don't take color. Yeah. 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 Because it's it's very, very struggling for him or for them. Either they drink much fluids or they eat enough uh, macros, especially if the feeding times are very short. And I've seen a a study for for, uh, 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 Dom Morgan. He mentioned that only 12 hours of fasting of non-active individual may result of losing 800 milli of fluids. Just imagine that plus, if they are exercising when they are fasting, if the weather is very hot, how much fluids they will lose. It's, it, it, may, it may even exceed 2% of their body weight. So that's an issue. For that reason, We tell athletes not only focus on water, they only focus on water. Focus on the beverage hydration index to make sure you don't have only fluids as water, but only also electrolytes. Because you need that. You need to have enough retention of fluid inside your body. Many athletes, they drink a lot of water and they get diuresis, diuresis, diuresis because there is not enough electrolytes in their drink. So what, what we try to do is to spread, uh, spread the, the fluid intake, for example, of two, three liters a day with enough electrolytes, uh, and not only relying on the, uh, on the water. There is a, a study done by Domogan as well, I think in 2016, which they tried to see differences between 15 different uh, fluids. And water was number nine. Can you imagine there's eight better than water just to retain the fluids inside your body? So all athletes, they believe I need to drink water, water, water. And another issue they're having when it comes to down, the last meal... They just keep drinking one liter, two liters at once. Can you imagine? They drink a lot of water thinking that if they drank all that amount, the body will keep it. But they get diuresis and not only losing the water, but also losing sodium in the urine. So that's another issue. For that reason, we make sure that they spread the water and they spread the fluids in general and beverages through the day but to make sure if they take any other fluids, they mind the calories. If they drink milk, they drink juices. Uh, so they make sure about that. So I think it's, it's it can be a struggle, but we minimize it by putting enough electrolytes and choosing the right
0: beverages and spread it out in the feeding times. That, that's great. And actually, I'm going to come back to some of those practical solutions shortly where uh, again, in this article, you actually come out with some great mistakes that are commonly practiced, and um, you're able to explain why that is and what the practical solutions are. We'll come to that in a minute because that was a really useful. I, I wish I had had these in my toolbox of, of things when I first started working in this area. Um, but just quickly, because uh, again, I mentioned this already, but you know, we're, we're quite used to this idea of carbohydrate mouth rinsing as a as a solution for non uh for non-muslim athletes uh in a in a non-ramadan situation there might be reasons for this that would include um that, that, that they they can't stomach drinking a, a sports drink or, or a snack but simply rinsing a beverage uh, or, or liquid with uh, a carbohydrate solution in it actually um uh, stimulates uh, certain receptors in the mouth, I believe, and um, has a sort of a down chain impact on on metabolism and um, other physiological responses that releases energy in some format. Yeah. So why why can't why can't athletes do that? And I, I know the answer because I tried it. <laughs> and it, and they weren't they wouldn't do it, or at least the particularly religious. Uh, members of my team were absolutely not even going to get close to their lips. What? Why is? Why can't they're not swallowing it? Surely, surely that's not an issue. What you must have come across this too. What? What are your thoughts on that? Hundred uh, percent. When we we just released this article,
1: I've sent it to a couple of groups of cyclists, triathletes. All of them, all of them, they just made a circle on the rinse sink and they said. How about our religious law? Is that even allowed to be done? That's a big question here. The problem is with, with uh, 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 when it comes to religion, people are very sensitive, especially in Ramadan because it's a very, very important event through the year and they're just waiting for that to be the, the, the best version of them. So if they think there is anything they are just not sure about that yeah. may just make a big or small—I mean, there's a small issue with their fasting or their about their 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 practices in Ramadan—they will just keep questioning it. And for that reason, one of the athletes he asked uh, uh, one uh, uh, scholar and uh, the, the the problem is with with the answer that he didn't ask him in the right context. Yeah. so the 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 answer was, if there is no need for that, it's not something we allow to do. But I believe I believe, uh, as a Muslim and I've seen a lot of things that has a context, the rinsing, it will not be an issue. But we still cannot, as nutritionists, tell people, just do it. They will not. They need at least uh, uh, the Muslim scholars to give them the the go, go ahead. So I think we still we still struggle with that scenario. There's many athletes will do it. They say, I will not swallow it. I know that's, that's an issue. I'll yeah. do it. But yeah. Many of them as well, they will not.
0: And that And, and that was precisely the strategy I was referring to earlier, that that uh, I went to great depths to establish that um, it, it was actually permitted by the scholar when the team doctor ensured that the various people involved, um, which went all the way up to the president of Egypt, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, wow. to allow these sorts of things, because there was scientific rationale, obviously, okay. our, for mouth-rinsing. The problem was... The the players, well, half of them were like, no, nah, it's too risky, you know, what if I accidentally drink it or whatever? But it, it did come back to, I, I believe you, but other people are watching me put a liquid in my mouth. Mm. And sh- simply being observed to be what looks like drinking um, it, it is in itself just such a problem. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is because as practitioners, we're looking for, we're looking for solutions to problems right and we just need to look beyond just the sport and exercise nutrition metabolism solutions because the real world uh the real world challenges include the needs preferences religious issues i mean there's so much to this which is why i love this topic because it really does drive home just how important this side of things as you know the, 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 you know what makes a person an individual a human and so on. So listen, one thing that's common with human beings is we make mistakes, okay yeah. and you you've got a list of mistakes in here, which I think are great. and you've, I'll start off with the first one which um, you you've all, you sort of already explained, but I want to go through it anyway because these, these are actually really useful strategies uh for Ramadan and listeners uh I'm getting this podcast out as fast as I can so it won't be the the normally uh edited uh version with transcripts and so on we're going to get this one straight out so listen close uh and you can read about this another time maybe but um one issue is as you've already mentioned that people can can drink inconsistent amounts of fluid between iftar and suhor. Mm-hmm. followed by a large amount of fluid before dawn, Suho time. So what is the rationale behind that, and what are the solutions? Uh,
1: yeah, uh, the problem that uh, when it comes to uh, drinking a lot of fluid just at once, the problem the, the body cannot store the water uh, that you're, you have consumed already, and that will increase your diuresis and your urine output. For that reason, the best scenario, it's spread it out spread it out all, consume your, your, your fluid intake for the whole feeding time. And also you can enhance that by electrolytes or even also glycerol, glycerol it's, it's, it's a good practice to increase the plasma and tissue osmolality and reduce diuresis. So, so I believe this is a very important area because many, many Muslims just uh, fell under this mistake.
0: Yeah, excellent. Okay, so problem number one, potentially solved. The next one, you know, you you talk about hydration, and you particularly if you're involved in the in the science of hydration, you can't escape this relationship between sodium and potassium. And of course, sodium supplementation is something that that we talk about. In in general, public health, they talk about avoiding sodium because of its impact on things like Um, hypertension, blood pressure, and and so on and so forth. But we're talking about healthy, fit athletes here. So why why not just eat a lot of salty food during the Suho meal or or adding a lot of salt to that meal? Why is that maybe not such a good idea? Uh, The issue that we know,
1: sodium is very important for hydration, very important hydration. Wherever there is sodium, water will just follow. The issue is if it is the last meal, And you have eating a lot of salt, and that which has a lot of sodium, and then you just started your fasting and didn't drink enough water afterwards, that will trigger your body that you need more water just to flush the extra sodium in your bloodstream, which will give you more thirst sensation. So, people, and this is always happening when they eat very high salty food in suhoor, the next day it felt very thirsty. For that reason, we encourage people not to eat very high amount of salt or sodium in the last meal. Through the day, no issues because you keep drinking uh, enough fluids, but the, in the suhoor, just minimize that.
0: Brilliant. Okay, so that's another another big mistake with a, a really practical solution that you've, you've helped explain there. So another one, of course, is, you know, athletes could be drinking uh, high energy calorie drinks, high energy drinks on light training days. I mean, it's an opportunity to consume energy. You know, they're fasting all day. What what are the consequences of that? Because, of course, athletes don't train every day. Shocker, (laughs) but they don't train every day. So what's the problem with that one?
1: the problem is uh, if they drinking this type of, of high energy calories for for sure they will have a high amount of energy uh, uh, consumed by either uh, sugars carbohydrates and and, and, and and calories in general and that will cause to have a chance of gaining weight organic fat uh, 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 mass so this issue should also be considered to minimize their calorie intake, depending on their training, so they have to periodize their nutrition on their uh, daily activities. If they have high uh, energy-demanding exercises, they have to, to to eat well. If not, they have to minimize their uh, calorie intake.
0: Brilliant. Okay, we're providing a lot of solutions here. So, another problem, definitely seen this myself, is the tendency to eat. Far too much food during the iftar meal. What, why is that a problem anyway? And what are the solutions? Just imagine you are fasting for fourteen
1: hours and you just shocked your stomach with a amount of calories and food just like crazy. That will will have an indigestion uh, uh, problem. or may distress your 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 uh, uh, digestion and even can and cause a problem with your sleep. So for that reason, we we recommend athletes to spread smaller meals through the day, not just push a lot of meal in the first uh, iftar or as we say breakfast, breaking the fast meal. So this is another issue. Many people do it, and they cannot even exercise later on. They feel, feel very, they have they have uh, full uh, 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 stomach, and they cannot train well.
0: Yeah. And, and that, you know, you, you gotta, you you gotta try it to believe it, but it really is an issue. Uh, You know, we all talk about a blowout. Oh, I'm so full, but you know, that's not something an elite athlete needs. So uh, that's a great, a great solution there. Okay. And then finally, why not just miss the Suho? Why why not? I mean, (laughs) what happens? What happens if you do that? Well, it's the last meal before you start in your
1: fasting. And if, if you missed it, you will miss a big amount of energy that your body needs and you will feel hungry more than any time else if you are eating your suhoor. So if you miss your suhoor, you'll feel lower energy, you will increase the hunger the next day. So I believe it's very important, very important to have the suhoor meal and try to make it uh, uh, having these micronutrients that Slow digestion, so it gives you energy, give you amino acids for longer times. For example, casein or or any type of protein that it's it's slow digestion, so it gives you energy and amino acids for a longer period of time, and you feel not hungry as you're not uh, eating this meal. So this is really important.
0: It is. It is. Listen, I, we could talk about this for for ages, and of course, in your case you're, uh, you're not allowed to eat right now. So, uh, uh, but for me, I keep talking about food, I need to go eat something just to, uh, just to torture you there. Mo. <laughs> um, so look, just to quickly sum up a few points, then, um, you know, look, you're a performance nutritionist, I'm a performance nutritionist, we, you know, yeah, we, we like the science, we, you know, we, we want to be doing more research. And that's absolutely needed. But at the end of the day, the practice of sport and exercise nutrition is just that. It's practice. It's applying this stuff into the real world and not getting too stuck into the science at the expense of its successful apl- application, which ultimately will affect sports performance. And sure. and I guess even more important than that, the health and well-being physical and psychological of your athlete particularly with something like Ramadan which is you know an entire month that's a long time yes, uh, to get this wrong right so so uh, you know i'm sure listeners that we we it is mostly practitioners and researchers that listen but some of them are the, are athletes with a a real thirst for knowledge who are also listening but my my intention here was was to help as many people as as possible and of course not just those that are observing Ramadan themselves or working with people uh, right now in in Ramadan, but also current and aspiring practitioners that will be working with those observing this uh, who may be in, for example, European or North American sports teams or individual events and may not understand what, what's going on in that person's personal life when they're observing Ramadan and the implications that has for for their performance which is something that that we're trying to impact as 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 practitioners yeah. so maybe just a super quick summary then from your perspective of of this topic of Ramadan and nutrition and 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 sports performance just a you know somebody bumps you bumps you in the street at the training ground "Mohammed what's all this Ramadan about and um you know what are your what are your ultra basic sort of conclusions about this that you want to leave our listeners with yeah uh, the first thing when it comes to nutrition make sure you take your
1: total type of calories total type and timing of calories in the right way that suits you as an athlete and suits your uh, performance and hydration make sure that you take enough fluid through the day in split amounts with enough type of electrolytes or different beverages that have higher beverage uh, 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 index and sleep, sleep very important. Many athletes, they don't sleep well. So try to sleep as early as possible. Just wake up before time, eat your meal, and you can keep sleeping again. Or in the worst case scenario, you can have power naps through the day uh, and 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 lower, lower the calories if you're not training uh, and, and make sure that you, uh, uh, finalize all that in the right way in the right uh, context that depending on where you are your your location in the world it will be different the weather that you're
0: facing so all these aspects should be considered very well do you know I, my listeners you know i love the word context <laughs> this is so <laughs> much about context so uh i'm grateful for you mentioning that word well listen I always love having a good chat with you. And for once we did it over a microphone, Uh, it's been great to catch up with you, my friend. Um, Thank you for sharing your experience, working with a lot of different athletes in a lot of different contexts, particularly during Ramadan. Um, Like I say, I'm going to release this podcast almost immediately just for the benefits uh, of the listeners for the next sort of two and a half, three weeks that they have left. And I just I know that you and I both hope that that everyone just gets something of benefit out of this. Feel free to reach out to us, of course, if you've got any basic questions. Uh, I know you're big on social media. You're a superstar. Uh, How do people follow you and uh, get to learn more about your your practice? Uh, What's the best way?
1: Well, I have my my Instagram and Twitter that I'm active on, uh, which is B-O-S-A-3-A-D-B-H
0: and i'll link to that too yeah
1: Yeah, so they can they can reach me out there
0: very good well listen that brings us to the end of this very practical applied episode uh all about ramadan and sports performance particularly from the uh, performance nutritionist perspective and from a muslim performance nutritionist perspective which has uh been uh awesome uh All you have to do is go to our website at www.theiopn.com to access all our podcasts, previous podcasts. As I say, I've done other podcasts about Ramadan. Um, If you're listening to this podcast uh, early uh, to mid Ramadan uh, in 2021, I won't yet have got the uh, episode fully edited or uh, transcript or whatever it will be coming. So bear with us. Um, just enjoy listening to it. We do other things at the IOPN. Of course, we train and educate professional performance nutritionists of which Mohammed here is a perfect example of one of our awesome uh, graduates and all the other bits and bobs we do, including uh, research and so on. Just check us out at theiopn.com. IOPN.com. Uh, that's all folks. Take care, everyone. Be safe and Last opportunity again. Thank you, Mohammed. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure.